Hello again everyone welcome back to the Holy Spirit series and today we're going to begin a kind of mini series um, embedded within this larger theme of the Holy Spirit we're going to begin looking at the fruit of the Spirit I don't know how long this will take for us to cover all the fruit of the Spirit we'll not go into too much detail in each of them but I want to spend a little bit of time in introduction to this very important sub series um, as we consider the the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Post-Pentecost, after the day of Pentecost, God's presence uh, was manifest in the church in at least two ways. And that is the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. And it's important for us to understand this because right throughout biblical history, we see the presence of God, the Shekinah glory, manifest presence of God, appear in different ways at different stages so you've got um, God walking with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day in the Garden of Eden you've got the pillar of fire and cloud in the tabernacle the Shekinah glory over the holy of holies in the temple and then of course you've got the greatest manifestation of the presence and glory of God in Jesus Christ the incarnation but now in this present moment after the Holy Spirit has been poured out upon the church at Pentecost, how do we understand God manifesting himself today? And it is, I believe, according to the New Testament, through the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. And the gifts of the Spirit manifest God's power. And we'll spend another sub-series on those gifts later on down the line. And the fruit of the Spirit uh, display God's personality. So the gifts are his power and the fruit are his personality. If you like, the gifts are often divine communication to us, God speaking to us in various ways, and the fruit uh, are divine character, how God is in his nature to us. Now just pause for a moment here because again we are impressed by this wonderful truth that Christianity is a supernatural way of life. You cannot live this Christian faith in the power of the flesh. It is a supernatural way of life. In fact, it's not our, our way of life at all. It's God's life. And Galatians 2.20, um, Paul says, It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me, and gave himself for me. It's not my life at all. It's the very life of God. And this is very well displayed in the gifts and the fruit of the Spirit. It's God's power and it's God's personality and character. And so the only way to live as a Christian is by God's power and God's character. And the tragedy is many in Christendom has, have divorced uh, themselves from the supernatural source of power the life of the Holy Spirit. Now, the Galatians, they, they had made this mistake in that they had be, begun living by the flesh rather than according to the power of the Spirit. And Paul came and told them, look, if you live by the flesh, you will actually multiply the works of the flesh. And we see this if you look at Galatians chapter 5 and um, verse 15. Paul says, but if you bite and devour one another, 
Beware lest you be consumed by one another. They were actually arguing with one another. There were contentions in the church here at Galatia. But the reason for that was because they were living in the energy of the flesh, not not the spirit. And then verse 19 to 21, he, he goes further and describes how the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. He's telling them, look, if you live according to laws, legalism, the power and energy of the flesh, you will produce, you can only produce flesh. As Jesus said, that which is of the flesh is flesh, but that which is of the spirit is spirit. Let's try and understand this a little bit more. In Romans chapter 7 and verse 8, Paul gives us another little insight into this. He says, sin taking opportunity by the commandment produced in me all manner of evil desire. For apart from the law, sin was dead. That's a strange verse, but very insightful because it's telling us if we try to live by laws and commandments alone, what happens is those laws actually magnify the fact that we are sinners and the sin that dwells within our flesh is multiplied by those laws. He says something similar in Romans chapter 8, verse 2 through to 4. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us which do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now, there's a lot in that. But what I want you to see is, there's no weakness in God's law. God's law is perfect. It is holy. But we are weak towards that law according to our flesh. We haven't got it in us to keep God's laws. Therefore, we're condemned. This is why legalism, this is why empty fleshly man-made religion will never work. In fact, on the contrary, it will only serve to exacerbate the problem of our sin nature and in fact it will inflame the sinful tendencies within us and increase our sinfulness. And that's basically what Paul was saying to these Galatians. You need to stop trying to fight sin by the the flesh or, or by rules or laws, even if they're good laws. It has to be the Spirit. Only the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, Romans 8, will set you free from the law of sin and death. And so in verse 16 and 17 of Galatians 5, an introduction to showing us what the fruit of the Spirit is, he says, I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusts or desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. These are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. 
But if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, I want you to see something very important here in verse 17 in particular. Paul is saying that the flesh desires what's contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what's contrary to the flesh. The Spirit must fight the flesh. The Spirit must fight the flesh. You've got to let the Spirit fight the flesh rather than you try and fight the flesh in some kind of, inverted commas, good flesh against the bad flesh. There's no such a thing as good flesh or bad flesh. That which is flesh is flesh. You've got to let the Holy Spirit in you fend off the flesh in you. I want you to see this. This is very important. There are three entities mentioned in verse 17. There's the flesh... There's the Spirit, but look at the end of the verse, so that you do not do the things that you wish. There's you. And so often we as Christians identify ourselves with the flesh when that is not the real you. That is not the true self that has been given to you now in Christ Jesus. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. And you must not identify with the old nature. That is no longer you. That has been crucified with Christ. You are not your sinful nature. So there is the flesh and the spirit and then there's you. And it's as if you are the battleground for this war between the spirit and the flesh. But you must not identify with the flesh. Because what happens is, if you identify with the flesh, you will start to manifest the characteristics and the tendencies of the flesh. How do you identify? Sometimes I hear people say I'm only a sinner saved by grace well if you are only a sinner saved by grace you know what's going to happen you're going to sin by faith if you see yourself as just purely a rotten field broken depraved sinner and that's what we are in our old nature of course but if that's how you see yourself in Christ you've got a problem because you're going to live out what you believe you are do you understand and this transition does not come through striving and struggling to be better because the good flesh, so-called, is actually bad flesh because all flesh is flesh and it will only reproduce the works of the flesh that we've read, Paul, uh, listing for us in chapter 5. This is where the crucified life comes in. The truth of the gospel. That I, David Legg, have died with Christ nailed to the cross and I need to reckon myself my old sinful nature and my good flesh that tries to be moral in the power and energy of human flesh I reckon it dead as well it can do no good and I'm completely dead to those things good and bad moral and immoral And I am alive in Christ. This is the crucified life. You see, the death of Jesus deals with my sin nature and my sinfulness. But it is the resurrection of Jesus Christ that gives me life. The risen life. This is why the cross is so important. I die with Christ. I am buried with Christ. And I rise again with Christ to new life in him. And that's what baptism of course symbolizes so it is the ascended Christ 
his ascension that makes it possible for the Holy Spirit to be poured out and to possess us completely so that we might live this Christian life in the power of his life, not our own. And this is why the ascension is so important. This is why the ascension is the mark. Jesus being glorified at the right hand of the Father. That's the moment, the line that shows that it's time for the Spirit to be poured out. And that's when the Spirit was poured out at Pentecost. After Jesus ascended and glorified. And now we get to live as Christians, little Christs, in the power of his life. There's a famous Boston preacher years ago by the name of Dr. A.J. Gordon and once he visited um, a famous um, festival, the World's Fair in Chicago. And uh, in the distance um, around were many, many wonderful sights and inventions. <clears throat> but in the distance he saw what appeared to be a man uh, robed in bright, gaudy oriental clothes and He looked like he was laboriously turning a crank of a pump and thereby making a mighty flow of water come. And Gordon was so impressed by the man's energy, his smooth motions and his obvious physical conditioning, he was pumping a tremendous amount of water, that uh, Gordon decided to go closer and he drew near. And how surprised he was to discover that that man was actually made of wood. He was a sculpture. And instead of turning the crank and making the water flow, it was actually the flow of water that was turning the crank and thereby making the man go. And that is a picture of true Christianity. True biblical, spirit-filled Christianity. It's not our pumping, our striving, our working, our energy that will cause the Spirit to to outpour from us. Rather, it is the Spirit welling up within us as a mighty spring, a fountain, and then an outflowing river that will actually energize us and cause us to do the works of God, which actually are fruit. See how important it is to distinguish between works and fruits later on. But it's his life in us, flowing in us, through us and out of us, that enable us to live as true Christians. And I want to ask you today, is that how you're living the Christian life? Is it in the energy of the flesh and therefore just perpetuating flesh moral and immoral or is it a supernatural dynamic where you are actually living the life of Christ and he's living his life through you and as you well know I'm sure that will not bring glory to David Legg or whoever you are but that will bring glory alone to Jesus because he alone is worthy because it's all about him we can't do it he does it in and through us so he gets all the glory So why not pray right now, if you haven't already in this series, Oh Holy Spirit, come and take up possession in my life, in my body and soul and spirit in fullness so that I may manifest the personality of Jesus, the very life of God, the divine nature. Lord, I'm sorry for trying to live as a Christian in the power of the flesh. I'm sorry even for trying to do good things in the power of the flesh, for even my righteousnesses 
are as filthy rags in your sight. But Lord, it's your life I need. It's your righteousness. It's your holiness, Jesus. Give me your holiness. Give me your resurrected life. I choose to reckon my old self dead indeed to sin, crucified with Jesus, nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. And I choose to believe that I have risen with Christ into the power of the resurrection. And I am a quickened spirit, one with him. Lord, live in me to change not only me, my family, but this world for your glory. And may I always give you the glory because you alone are worthy. And anything that will be done and accomplished through my life will actually be because of your life flowing in and through me. Thank you, Lord, for making it possible because you died for me. Amen. God bless you. See you next time. And we'll look a little bit more uh, at the fruit of the Spirit.